0: Hello and welcome back to the WeRZ Podcast. I'm Paul Oman. And I'm Jimmy Shee. Today we have the privilege of talking to Chef Shohan, a world-renowned chef, restaurateur, and the judge of Chopped on the Food Network. Chef, how are you today?
1: As well as everybody on this planet.
2: Fantastic. And uh, is COVID going well around there in terms of what's going on? Is everything getting back on the track? Uh,
1: You know what? It's it's really interesting. I mean, uh, all of us have been... um, through a really interesting time, and I think over here, um, we we're just trying our level best to make the best of a, a really crazy situation, and I think that is what we are doing. We've started uh, opening the restaurants, uh, slowly. We have to be very uh, cognizant of the fact that our uh, guests and our teams, uh, you know, uh, health and safety uh, is paramount. So we are you know we are
2: doing the best that we can yeah and again just want to say that so i the first time i visited your restaurant is the restaurant called chattable yeah so that was the street food restaurant and then i love it so much and i visited many many times Thank and you. also love seeing you on the show chop and i watch uh, a lot of food network shows um and for our listeners that aren't properly familiar with you can you tell us your uh, general background and what you do
1: Oh my God! What do I do? Uh, th- that's that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I am um, uh, I, I'm a chef by profession. Um, and a restaurant restaurantier right now. Uh, we've got four restaurants. uh Chohan Ale and Masala House, which is a, a modern uh, Indian restaurant with a southern flair to it. Uh, Tanso, which is a Chinese restaurant. Mockingbird, which is a modern. Uh, American Diner and then Chatterbel, which is the Indian street food, the one which you were mentioning. Um, we also have three breweries which are based in Murphy's Borough. Um, a craft brewery uh, which is called Mantra Artisanal Ales. Um, an everyday drinking uh, beer, which is called Steel Barrel, and then an uh, IPA-based uh, brewery, which is called The humulus Project. Uh, I also am on Food Network, on uh, a judge, a permanent judge and Chopped, but I'm also on a lot of other Food Network programs. So yeah, that is pretty much me in a nutshell.
0: That's really cool. It's just really interesting to see you have a really uh, diverse background. Um, and we actually were doing a bit of research before this episode and we found how influential you were and how many restaurants you have open. And I'm just kind of wondering like, where does your love for food come from? Like, what is your drive to create these restaurants?
1: It's very simple. Uh, My my love for food comes from my love uh, for eating. (laughs) I love eating food. I love, um, to me very early on, I realized that food is a great connector. Uh, I could, uh, you know, finish dinner at home, go to my neighbor's houses, tell them that my parents hadn't fed me, and they would invite me with open arms. And, and over, um, you know, over the years, I have realized that it is so easy to connect with people over food. And I think that this is what this world needs. The world needs everybody to be connected, um, and everybody to be empathetic. Um, and, uh, you know, um one of my favorite stories is uh, a couple of years back, I went to Peru and um, we were going to Machu Picchu and we went to, um, we were staying in this small town called Urumbamba and, uh, you know, in the afternoon, my uh, people who were traveling with me, they're like, we'll take a nap and I just walked into um, uh, the Mercado, which is their, you know, the uh, the market and it was a small village and I can't speak um any Spanish or let's say my Spanish is not fit for polite company. And uh, the people around, they didn't know much English. So while I'm walking around, I, you know, I just like uh, th- there was an old lady who was selling potatoes and making these potato fritters. And I just sat with her. And and the next thing I know is that I'm making potato fritters with her. She can't speak English. I can't speak uh, Spanish. But yeah. we connected. And that's what it's all about. To me, that is why I am obsessed with food, why I'm obsessed with opening restaurants, because it's a place for people to come and connect and feel good about themselves, about the people around them, about the environment. So that's yeah, that's why I I create delicious food and yeah, restaurants.
2: Yeah, and totally. And exactly like we talked about how it connects people and how it's a it's a language that doesn't really require words. So um, a few years back, I actually went to uh, India. I was on a two-week trip, um, and then I visited Varanasi. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, I
2: have this really, really distinctive memory of, um, it, it, it was exact street food, actually. So that's part of the reason why I love Chattable because it did remind me of what I had uh, in Varanasi, And I just remember how, you know, uh, they really couldn't speak a whole lot of English. And, um, you know, we were kind of just, using our hand and you know figure out what we, you know what we're trying to communicate but just it, having that food and you can' see the expression from the taste if you know you know you know what I'm saying like you can feel that's exactly you know what that area's culture is and, and it's a vibe that you just get from the food and I think it's so interesting um, you know what food and the taste of it can do.
1: That's so true that is so true.
2: Personally, myself, a big fan of cooking. I love cooking, and I said I love walking, uh, watching uh, cooking shows like Gordon Ramsay and then like Chopped. And um, I love making the chicken vindaloo that you have on your story, and then oh, nice. uh, fried rice. But so comparing to other, ki- you know, c- kids on the show Chopped Junior, I'm like nowhere close. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, what's your experience with the younger generation in terms of cooking? Do you see a lot of people wanting to become future chefs?
1: You know, I, I see two schools uh, over here. There is, you know, uh, you mentioned Chop Juniors. Chop Junior. There are these, they are these like kids who just blow my mind because, you know, they approach food with a complete abandon. They approach food without being afraid of it, without having been told that these are the parameters of how to cook food. You know, uh, the the, the age old thing of. Uh, only only white wine goes with, you know, only seafood and red wines only goes with meat, you know, those kind of, they've not been taught that. So they approach it with this complete abandon, which leads to this incredible amount of creativity, which is very, very fantastic. And, and um, I absolutely love seeing that, tasting the food that they create. Um, on the other spectrum is, um, you know, kids who want to be a chef because they want to be on TV. And with them, I keep on telling them that that's not the reason to be a chef because to be a chef, it's a lifelong commitment, right? Like when all your friends and family are, you know, on a weekend, they have a day off, that's your busiest day or Thanksgiving or Christmas, uh, you know, when everybody's hanging out, you're, you're working. So you've got to realize those limitations and those parameters. So um, to me, I, I do think that, Uh, The new generation or the next generation, which includes my kids also, they have been exposed to so many different cuisines of the world that nothing uh, phases them, which is absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, the fact, I think one of the most, um, one of the positive things of this COVID quarantine has been the number of people who have tried their hands on trying different cuisines making it at home, and they are less intimidated with it. So I think those are the great things about, you know, the future of food.
0: Yeah, and I really uh, like this idea of um, how there are so many people who are getting involved in learning how to cook. And I actually recently became interested in it, and I've started watching, like, YouTube videos for it, even though it's, like, mostly amateur stuff. But, um, like, it's so interesting to see Gen Z's involvement in it. And actually there's this report that came out by, uh, uh, Tekonomics new college. Uh, it's this trend report that shows that 42% of Gen Zers want street food on the menu and your restaurant, uh, Chattable is an Indian street food restaurant. So where do you think this like trend comes from for, um, younger generations to kind of, uh, really love street food? And was this kind of what you had in mind when you first started the restaurant?
1: i think the love for street food just comes from the approachability and the adventure aspect of it right i mean even when i was in india as as a, a teenager or a younger adult all i really wanted to do was just go out and have street food mostly because i wasn't allowed to uh, because it was very questionable where the water and ingredients were coming from in india but you know we still we still like when we were in college and stuff we would just hide from our parents etc and go and eat so i think uh, the fascination of street food is from the fact that it is uh, it's accessible it's vibrant it is um, organic and it is full of adventure um the idea of the idea of opening Chatable was an homage to this entire journey uh, you know my husband and i we are business partners this is the food that we like whenever we go back to India, we that's what we gravitate towards, you know, the street food, because it's so full of soul and it's so um. it has the signature of the place that it's being served at. So uh, so that's why the idea of opening Chatable was based on that.
2: Yeah, and also earlier you talked about like free expression and how you know chopped juniors are not limited by certain you know culinary traditions or you know what you're taught to do. So like I even kind of see that part of why Gen Zs love street food so much because it's just total free of expression. It's you know you as an individual chef of what you want to create rather than you know you have to be compounded by um, you know the specific style of cuisine, and that's what you have to make it taste like. But street food is, I mean, so I was on a two-week trip, but I went to New Delhi and Van and a few other cities, but they taste completely different, you know? And that's different when I went to dinners in hotels when they all tasted similar. But street food, like, you know it's different from this city than that city. So that part was what's so intriguing to me is, you know, that specific flavor would remind me of... That city,
0: and I think I could definitely agree with that because um, I'm for I was fortunate enough to go to both um, Germany and China, and street food there is just so vastly different than it is here. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's just so interesting to see um, the different takes, and um, even like in some places in China, they would make food incredibly fast, like too fast for my eyes <laughs> to even like process. And it was just so interesting watching and experiencing this whole different culture of food being made in front of my eyes and i think that's largely what the appeal is for our generation is just the creativity behind it and how unique it is today
1: absolutely i mean it's like um so i i've written a book which is coming out in october it's called charts which is which basically it uh it's a a story like, um, you know, we would take trains in India and the trains, I, I don't know, uh, you know, if you travel by train when you were in India or in China, they, they're very different from the trains over here. The windows are open, the doors are open. And at each and every train stop, the street vendors come to sell their wares. And I would really look forward for those journeys because it used to be, you know, at Chennai, I'm going to be getting... Uh, you know, um, the curd rice, or if I'm going to Kanpur, I'm going to be getting these potatoes and puris. So this book is pretty much an uh, homage to all the street vendors of India who've made, um, you know, the um, Indian dining experience so delicious. So, um, so th- that it comes back to the point that you guys are saying that street food all over the world is so, it's got so much life in it, that, that it makes it so exciting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the I, I'm definitely going to go buy the book and read the book. I'm really excited and see um, if I can pick up pieces of memories from what I had. But, you know, definitely you talked about the life in the food and I can absolutely resonate with, um, you know, especially India when, you know, the flavors are very strong and it's very jumpy. And then you can see how vibrant and it just connects with the culture, really, like you taste the food and then you can create that image in your mind and Um, It is absolutely amazing.
1: I tell people that when they are, you know, people who haven't been to India, they ask me what, you know, what is it like to be in India? And it's similar like China also, like when I visited, I could feel that um, that thing in common, that it's a sensory overload from the time that you the first step in India, it's a sensory overload, the sounds, the smells, the colors. And to me that is what i want each and every of my dish to taste like just like what just happened here oh my god it's spectacular and i want more (laughs) of it um and that's and that's how i try to uh you know um make all my dishes
0: i think something that's really interesting that um in in my eyes have has become more prevalent in recent years is A lot of restaurants are starting to, like, accommodate towards people with different um, eating needs. So, for example, my brother has a celiac disease, so he can't have wheat or gluten or anything like that. Um, And over the past few years, I've seen a lot of restaurants sort of accommodate to that. For example, like um, restaurants that sell hamburgers or something like that, they'll have gluten-free buns available or a separate grill that they'll cook everything on. And... I just see more and more restaurants start to change toward that. And do you think there's anything that's gonna like kind of change that market a little bit? Just because I've seen like fast food restaurants as well, like um, uh, Burger King has the Impossible Whopper, which is completely plant-based and things like that that are completely revolutionizing the amount of meat we consume and different ways that we try and accommodate for people who have these special needs in terms of food. So, do you think anything's going to drastically change in that area
1: I, I don't think i think i think the drastic change is already happening as we speak and it is something which doesn't happen overnight it takes time i mean the fact is that when i came here to go to um, i went to the cia which is the culinary institute of america before you think i'm anything cooler than a chef um that was in that people would that my instructor had just started talking about gluten-free and celiac, which not many people knew about, right? Now that it's in, in mainstream, it is so so important because as a restaurant here, as a chef, I'm not cooking for myself, I'm cooking for my audience. So if my audience is demanding something, if my if my audience is asking for something, then I would be stupid not to give it to them. Right? right so i think it is uh, i think we realize that um, that dining as an experience is a very is an experience for everyone so it shouldn't be that you know if there is you know your entire family going out and you know your brother should also have you know the option to have something which is delicious and craveable and mm-hmm. that i think as a chef to me, I find that more exciting to come up with something for, you know, something which is delicious, which is for somebody with, you know, a gluten, uh, you know, intolerance or, you know, a nut allergy or vegetarian or vegan. Uh, I think it's very exciting.
2: Yeah. And I just want to expand a little bit on what you just talked about. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with those. Um, not meat meat, like, you know, the impossible whopper that I'm talking about. So those
1: are absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I've heard a mixed review, like Gordon Ramsay clearly condemns it and says just complete uh, BS. And then you have also chefs that are more, you know, accepting toward it, say, okay, that's a great idea. Maybe, you know, we can play around with it, but so obviously it's not meat, right? And it's very different in terms of texture and taste. So what's your personal stance on this?
1: It's actually surprisingly very close to like people who are vegetarian who've had that. It's a very disconcerting, um, they have a very disconcerting uh, reaction to it because it is, huh. it looks and tastes a lot like meat, a hmm. lot like meat. I am, I am pretty much, I'm very, um, I, uh, I I do not have a visceral reaction to it. I do not hate it. I do not love it. Uh, I think it has a place in um, you know in the world of uh, food. But I also am the kind of person who, when we talk about vegetarian food, I do think it's the vegetables that need to be celebrated. I, uh, I I'm also the kind of person who thinks that um, you know if you're vegetarian, then enjoy the vegetables. If you want to eat meat eat meat. Don't make vegetables look and taste like meat. So so there are two schools of thoughts. I I do not have a visceral reaction to it. I do think that it has its place. Um, It's absolutely amazing what people have done, um, you know, to uh, uh, the the amount of research that's gone into it. Uh, And I've eaten it a couple of times and I'm like, whoa, okay, (laughs) this actually does you know it It mimics meat very closely
0: and then for our closing question um we were just kind of curious is there like any fast food restaurant that you like as a professional chef um obviously your taste is um very I, I don't know you have a lot more experience than we do is there like a fast food restaurant that if you had to eat at you would i'm just curious if there's like, like one a chain outfit. fast yeah. food <laughs>
1: But before that, you you, you both tell me, what are your favorite fast food places?
0: I think for me, it's recently become Chick-fil-A just because their food is really good. It's not too unhealthy. Um, I really love their customer service as more of like a personal note. Uh, Everyone there is super friendly. And I basically eat there quite a lot. So it's probably Chick-fil-A for me.
2: Yeah, for me, it's probably Chick-fil-A too. Um, I don't know, it just just tastes clean and the restaurant's nice and people are nice and it, it, I it, I think it's just a uh, it feels good eating Chick Fil A even though it's probably not the healthiest thing.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? To me, I think that if you have everything in moderation, it's absolutely it's it's absolutely fine. If you overdo on things, right, that's right. when the problem starts. Um, to me, I am um I, I absolutely have tried you know all the fast foods. I'm not going to say that I haven't. Um, but to, uh, to me, I think, I don't even know, uh, will Chipotle be counted as a fast food?
0: Yeah. I think right. it would count. Yeah. So yeah,
1: yeah. I, 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 mean, I love Chipotle. I love the flavors and um, you know the the freshness and uh, everything about that. I I do love a good Chipotle. That's
0: funny. We just ate yeah. there last night. <laughs> so did I. I oh really? <laughs> started, yeah.
1: You never know. Maybe maybe we we bumped into each other. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah.
2: I, I'm gonna change my mind. Actually, Chipotle is my favorite because I I didn't really think about that because. Yesterday, I remember me and Paul were talking, we're like, you know, we want something that's clean and uh, yummy. We're like, well, you know, Chipotle has the balls that it tastes clean and yummy. (laughs) It
1: it does like to me, I don't even mind a good like Subway sandwich. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And so, so I think that's, I think that's what it is. It's like, you can find amazing things in, in different places. They are good. Um, You just have to kind of explore the menu slightly.
2: Yeah, Yeah. except Panda Express. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a fan of Panda Express. We've had this I, debate. No, I'm I cannot. A Panda Express he is very against it. I cannot stand Panda Express.
0: It is the worst restaurant ever. I, I understand I've ever where did. he's coming from. Oh I just have deep roots in Panda <laughs>
2: Express. So. I've had it since I was like... I'm
1: not seven. going to get into that conversation. <laughs> you guys will have to figure that out yourself. Yeah.
2: I'm going to have to take Paul to Chattable and all your other restaurants, especially Tensuo, which I've only had takeouts, but I'm so excited to have your uh, lobster dumplings. I mean, looked. Oh God, It looks yes. so amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes. Oh the
1: food over there is incredible.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been a delightful experience.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
2: So the... Biggest thing that I learned from uh, the conversation with Chef Shohan is how um, food represents this language of uh, whatever, whether the culture or it's a message they're sending out. And one thing that I'm slightly worried about is with, you know, the increasing use of fast food, not in terms of like, you know, McDonald's, but in terms of just instant food that you can make. So that's like, you know, including the Trader Joe's, you know, orange chicken package and that we make, (laughs) you know, on a daily basis that includes the Trader Joe's um, fried rice packet. So you're
0: worried it's going to like lose creativity. Yeah.
2: So, so is it becoming more like, you know, just we're eating for the carbohydrates and sugar and sodium rather than for the deliciousness. Cause it's not saying they're not delicious, but they're just bland and absolutely boring. I think I kind
0: of understand what you're saying, uh, especially with like the orange chicken, because like yeah, I make that all the time. It's more of a routine for me just because I need food, so this is the thing I know how to yeah, make. Yeah,
2: like because I think the reason why I do it is because it's it doesn't take a lot of time, and you know I don't want to be cleaning up everything. I don't want to be you know chopping up everything and washing. And it's just you know logistic nightmare. And yeah,
0: it's just a whole process.
2: Yeah, it, if someone else can do it for me, I will be happy to cook. But the thing is. <laughs> Like, that's what Trader Joe's does for you, is that part. So, you know, I, I think I'm, to some degree, disappointed to see, I mean, again, I understand how the society is fast-paced, and, um, you know, we all need to get food, and we have to do it in some ways, but just seeing, seeing that we have to compromise and, you know, stop really enjoying the cooking process it's, it's a little bit sad to see. And, um, I def, definitely think that we need to take, you know, better steps toward that.
0: Well, thankfully she pointed out some positives, um, definitely in the facts that younger chefs are completely breaking the barriers and going right, against right. what is the, the norm of cooking. And that's really exciting to see. Um, but I think m- most, most of all, what was most interesting to hear was about, um, different substitutes like we talked about the uh, impossible whopper with the the fake meat and it's really interesting because now they're able to grow meat and they're working towards growing more and more meat to kind of feed our population so it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years on what produce they can grow and how identical in taste and in cooking is that realistically
2: yeah for sure I mean I would be really excited to see whenever those um You know man-made meat whoever got on the menu of michelin starred restaurants because i think (laughs) if that ever happens i think it's definitely going to be a landmark for um culinary culture
0: thanks for tuning into the podcast as always this podcast comes out every other tuesday so be sure to tune in and check out our social media to see when the next episode will drop our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is at WRZpod.
2: So be sure to check us out on those platforms. And we're always looking forward to connect with you all. So please connect with us at connect at wrzpod.com. And you can always check out our website at WRZpod.com. We'll see you soon.